Good afternoon. It is Thursday, April 30, 2020. And on today's episode of the Cote St. Luke Telephone Broadcasting Service, we have our movie librarian, Stephen Tomlinson, who is going to be speaking about the future of movies during this pandemic. But now, just four months into 2020, the film industry's year may already be over. The COVID-19 pandemic has brought Hollywood to a complete halt. We then have another episode from the Martin and Lewis radio show. Uh, This is an episode that features Henry Fonda. I better explain, Mr. Fonda. We know you saw our act at Tacopa, and we were wondering what you thought of Jerry's acting. How about it? Good, bad, or indifferent? Well, that just about sums it up. (laughs) What do you mean, that just about sums it up? Yes, some of it was good, some of it was bad, and I was indifferent. (laughs) So that is the episode... And here is Stephen Tomlinson. Hello, everyone. There's an old adage in Hollywood, the show must go on. But amidst our current pandemic, that may not always be the case. Not in movie theaters, for example. At least not yet. Welcome to Let's Talk Movies, a weekly program of movie talk here on the Code St. Luke telephone broadcast service talk that's sometimes historical and sometimes contemporary, like today, the topic of which is our current pandemic and its relationship to the movies, specifically how COVID-19 has impacted upon the theatrical release of current and future Hollywood films, and most importantly, the impact of the pandemic on the very survival of movie theaters themselves. My name is Stephen Tomlinson, a librarian here at the Code St. Luke Public Library. And of course, like much of the rest of the world, our local movie theaters have now been closed for six weeks or more, with no indication as to when they might reopen. In truth, it might only be six weeks, but of course it feels a lot longer than that. Let's begin by posing a few questions. Movie theaters... Will they reopen in the summer, which of course is the traditional blockbuster season? Well, that's looking increasingly unlikely. Maybe they'll reopen in the fall. That's possible, but will audiences conditioned to social distancing feel safe to return without a vaccine? These are questions we just don't have definitive answers to yet. We do know that last year, 2019, was a very good year for the film industry. The global box office brought in over $40 billion worldwide. Disney alone made seven movies that each earned more than $1 billion globally. And one of those films, Avengers Endgame, broke Avatar's record as the highest grossing blockbuster of all time. But now, just four months into 2020, The film industry's year may already be over. The COVID-19 pandemic has brought Hollywood to a complete halt. Movie theaters, big and small, have closed around the world. Productions have stopped, and the release of some of the year's biggest films has been delayed. Now, since movie theaters are closed, the scheduled release of Hollywood films for the spring and summer period has mostly been pushed back to autumn and December. 
and even into next year, 2021. While other new Hollywood films that may have been in theaters when the pandemic hit have simply been released on streaming sites or made available through VOD. VOD meaning Video On Demand, which you can access by doing a search for their titles on Apple devices, Google Play, or through your cable provider. Two such films, Emma, the new Jane Austen adaptation, and The Invisible Man, a remake of the 1930s Universal Horror Classic, are both currently premium priced at $19.99 for a 48-hour rental, which is a standard price for a brand new high-profile film on streaming services. But you have to wonder who's going to pay that price when we have so many options elsewhere. Especially when you know that in two or three weeks, that price is probably going to drop to $6.99 or $5.99. So the smart consumer is going to think, I'll just wait, you know, two or three weeks when the price is lower and watch it then, right? And that's an important factor as to why Hollywood is sitting on or postponing their biggest releases until a safer time. They want a bigger bang for their buck. And that means a bigger bang in a theater, a theatrical release. But what constitutes a safer time for theaters to reopen? Three months, six months, a year and a half? We don't know yet. So with that context, let's explore what the studios might be thinking regarding their biggest upcoming new releases and what that might mean for movie theaters in general. And let's do that through one example, the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die, which has been finished and under wraps for a few months now. It was scheduled to come out theatrically on April 10th, but about two months ago, the producers and the studios that financed them announced a new date, November 2020. It was the first big Hollywood film to postpone its release because of COVID-19. And at the time, many people were shocked and wondered if this wasn't an overreaction. But I don't think anyone is thinking that now. But how long will the people behind No Time to Die decide to wait if theaters are not open by November? Will they decide to bypass theaters altogether and release the film straight to the internet? I think that's possible, but with a quarter billion dollar budget, not including advertising, the new James Bond film really needs to make a big traditional theatrical release to make any money. An anticipated $1 billion kind of money. That's what the producers would be looking at. But likely, streaming revenues alone won't come close to doing that. So if theaters don't reopen this year, or even if they do, but audiences don't yet feel comfortable in going to them, the producers may have no choice but to stream No Time to Die as video on demand or perhaps through Netflix as two examples. And this is not only true of the new James Bond film, but also of big anticipated equally billion dollar releases like uh, Mulan, Black Widow and Wonder Woman 1984, which are also being held back from theatrical release until a later date. My own preference would be to see these movies uh, on an IMAX screen 
certainly in a movie theater. But wait how long? That's quite literally the billion-dollar question. So the studios may have no choice but to release their biggest, most expensive films without traditional theatrical releases. But if this takes place, what then happens to the theater chains that would have shown these movies normally? These theater chains are currently dealing with rents that can't be paid. Will they be able to survive? And if they do survive, how will they reopen? Most likely not all at once, but rather in a staggered fashion, depending on government regulations in any given jurisdiction. And when they do reopen, will theaters be mandated to have socially distanced seating, meaning that every second or every second and third seat must be kept vacant? Almost certainly yes. So movie theaters will reopen at some time, we just don't know when, but people may not flood back all at once. Or perhaps they will, feeling a pent-up need to get out of their homes. But even if they feel safe and have this pent-up need to get out, will people have the expendable income to do so in an economy where many are now out of work? Again, we just don't know, but the implications for movie theaters are not great. The implications are, however, very good for the big streaming services and internet content providers which are flourishing right now, um, such as Amazon, Apple, Disney, and Netflix, of course. Though, to be fair, Disney is having some problems because of their closed theme parks. And uh, why are these streaming services doing so well amid the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, it's because people are forced to stay at home and stream their content like never before. So yes, um, those companies are doing very well. But that's the danger for theaters, that as a captive audience at home, we are increasingly dependent upon them, increasingly conditioned to want and to expect their newest films, in addition to all the other forms of entertainment they supply, all instantly available through the internet, even if we have to pay for it. But the point is, theaters may no longer be necessary, not when we can receive the newest movies directly on our smartphones, tablets, computers, and televisions. Now, an eventual decline in theatrical exhibition amid the rise of these streaming giants has been predicted for years. But it wasn't thought to happen so precipitously. So much so that many are even wondering about the continued viability of movie theaters on anything like the current scale after this pandemic is over. As I've said, movie theaters have all closed their doors and are right now running out of options. In fact, the AMC movie theater chain one of the biggest in the United States, is widely thought to be on the verge of bankruptcy. So reports Variety. Having laid off much of its corporate staff, 
in addition to all of its on-site theater employees. One industry analyst in the United States has predicted that a quarter of all movie theaters will close in the aftermath of the pandemic. Because without ticket and concession revenue, that leaves a lot of unpaid rent. But of course, the total could be much worse. No word yet on whether the biggest movie theater chain in Canada, Cineplex, which among others in Montreal runs the Cineplex Cavendish across the street from the library, as well as the Cineplex Forum and the Cineplex Banque Scotia, will follow in the path of AMC. The latest word from Cineplex in early April was only that they would be closed indefinitely. I can, however, tell you that Cineplex is at least making home delivery of snacks, you know, all of the essentials like uh, popcorn and nachos, which can be brought straight to your door. But of course, um, you can't do this by phone. You would have to do it through the internet. It's pretty simple. Just go to the website cineplex.com and you'll see at the top of that page um, some pretty easy to follow information on how to go about ordering Cineplex snacks. Uh, now, in other areas of theatrical exhibition, some have suggested that because of the pandemic, we may see a possible resurgence in the popularity of drive-in movie theaters. And while I think that may be possible, at least at a marginal level, I don't think it's viable as a, anything like a long-term solution, especially in Canada, where the seasonal window is really only a few short summer months. But it does sound like a great idea personally and something I very much enjoyed as a child. But another issue is that there are very few drive-in theaters still in existence. Now, what does come next theatrically? Um, whatever it might be, I think it's unlikely to be exactly what existed just a few months ago, which is the idea that multiple studios release multiple films on a regular basis on approximately 45,000 movie screens across North America. And that approximately 90 days after that, those same movies then become available for home viewing, either on DVD, Blu-ray, or through streaming media, I don't think that model is going to survive, at least not exactly in that form. I think what we are going to see is many fewer movie theaters in the future, with those surviving largely becoming both the venues for the biggest of Hollywood films, as well as the smallest of art film fare for movie buffs and cineasts, who will continue to populate film festivals and specialty cinemas like the Cinémathèque Québécoise and the Cinéma du Parc, both in Montreal. But with more and more mid-range films, really the very great massive movies, going directly to streaming services, connected to your television, tablet, smartphone, or computer screen, and bypassing movie theaters altogether. But movie theaters will survive only in a much smaller number. Now, let's return for a few moments to the question of when those that do survive might reopen and when audiences might be expected 
to return to theaters and feel safe in doing so. Now, this is a major point. The pandemic is not all going to end at the same time for everyone everywhere in the world. At which point all the doors to all the remaining movie theaters in Canada and the United States reopen at the same time. That's just not going to happen. For example, in China and areas like Hong Kong and Singapore, movie theaters reopened briefly and then closed again in many regions because of the fear of new infections. So Hollywood will have little incentive to roll out its most important movies with um, major markets like New York still largely in lockdown and not yet ready to reopen until at least the fall. Densely populated places like New York or Los Angeles, for that matter, are going to need more time than, say, less populated areas such as Montana or Oklahoma. And there's no way Hollywood will release big movies to Montana before New York City. That's just not going to happen, if only through fear of video piracy. So even if movie theaters do reopen in some places this summer, including here in Montreal, which I think is unlikely, what are they going to play? They won't have any new movies, certainly none of the big Hollywood blockbusters, even if a few are still scheduled for release this summer. And I'm thinking here of Disney's live-action movie Milan, which is probably the biggest, most anticipated film of the year, still scheduled for July 24th release, while another anticipated billion-dollar movie, Wonder Woman 1984, is still set for August 14th, both already having been postponed. But these summer release dates are wildly optimistic, and almost certainly placeholders for an uncertain release sometime after the summer. But what's also equally true is that their studios are holding on to these summer dates because the summer season is the most profitable for Hollywood, marking more than 40% of its annual revenue. And so releasing their biggest movies later than that will likely mean less profit. So basically, in this sense, I think these studios are really, really hoping for a miracle, a summer miracle. Then consider the following that even when movie theaters in the U.S. and Canada are finally able to reopen, in whatever their number or location, guidelines will likely stipulate a strictly limited seating capacity for reasons of social distancing. Those measures, while crucial to ensure safety, at least until there is a vaccine, will then automatically limit the number of tickets that can be sold for any given movie. So that, too, is a problem for generating revenue. For all these reasons, if studios are going to err, I think they're going to err on the side of caution and wait as long as possible before releasing their biggest films to theaters. Or failing that because they deem the wait just too long, send their biggest movies straight to streaming services. But in doing so, perhaps inadvertently providing a knockout blow to many movie theaters. But not all of them, I think. Movie theaters will survive, even if in a much reduced number. 
whether serving a niche market of cinephiles or the largest of crowds for the latest superhero blockbuster. This is why I think they will always exist. Going to the movies is part of our collective DNA. Doing so evokes a sense of community within us. We need that. Movies and the theaters we watch them in bring us together, almost like a religious experience. And we can never afford to let go of that, not if we can help it. So I'm certain movie theaters will make a comeback someday, however modest, once movie fans feel confident and safe venturing back into public spaces. We simply don't know when that day will arrive, but it will arrive. It will. Stay safe. Stay healthy, everyone. This has been Stephen Tomlinson, inviting you to join me again on Friday with Lockdown Viewing for movie, TV, and streaming recommendations here on the Code St. Luke Telephone Broadcast Service. Until then, bye-bye and happy viewing. Talk to you soon. It's the Martin and Lois Show. From New York, the Martin and Lois Show. Our guest tonight, Henry Fonda, and featuring Flo McMichael, Dick Stabile and his orchestra, and starring Dean Martin. You came to me from out of nowhere. my heart and set it free. And Jerry Lewis. You came to me from out of nowhere, Ethel Hockenhaven, and I loved you madly. Your hair so black and eyes so blue and lips so soft and neck. Yes, you did with anyone who came along. <laughs> I can't give you anything but love, baby. Well, that's the only thing I've plenty of, baby. You dream a while and you scheme a while. We're sure to find, well, happiness and a guess. Well, all the things you think that are fine for, gee, but I'd like to see you looking swell, baby, diamond bracelets, Woolworth doesn't sell, so you, baby, to that lucky day, you know darn well, baby, I can't give you anything but love. But I'd like to see you looking swell, baby. Diamond bracelets, Woolworth doesn't sell to you, baby.
till that lucky day. You know, Don, well, baby, I can't give you anything but love. This is a pretty big day for Dean and Jerry. They finally have tickets to see Henry Fonda in his Broadway hit play, Mr. Roberts. Right now, we find them in their apartment getting ready to go to the theater tonight. Hey, Dean, why do we have to wait so long to get these tickets to see Mr. Roberts? Well, Jerry, the play's a very big hit. It's been running for over a year. <laughs> Remember that time in Atlantic City when we just started our act and we flopped? Well, what about it? We were running for two days. <laughs> you know, I'm glad we got these tickets to Mr. Roberts. Everybody's talking about it, and besides, you could stand a little cultural background. You're so good to me. You try to improve me. You stick up for me when I get into trouble? Oh, I don't do so much. Yes, you do, Dean, and I appreciate it. You're a swell guy, Dean. Oh, Jerry. I mean it. And, Dean, remember the other night when you were hanging up your pants and a quarter fell out on the floor? Quarter? You told me it was a dime. Here's the other 15 cents. <laughs> I'll get it. Okay. Hello? Oh, Associated Press? Yes. You sure it's true, huh? It couldn't be a mistake? And I've been hoping against hope that it was all a rumor. I see. Goodbye. Jerry, what's wrong? I'll just have to face it, Dean. I've lost Rita. <laughs> well, buck up, little man. Maybe you'll meet another beautiful princess on the way to the theater tonight. I'm dressed and waiting. How do I look? Well, let's see, Jerry. Ooh, you look divine. I know. I'm lovely. I'm engaged. I use Chiron. <laughs> Oh, come on, let's hurry. I can't wait to get to the theater and see Mr. Fonda do that dramatic acting stuff. Okay, but first take off that shirt and put on a clean one. What for? Never mind. I'll bet Mr. Fonda would put on a clean shirt if he were coming over to see you. All right, Dean, I'll change. But it seems a shame to send a shirt to the laundry with four days' mileage left in it. <laughs> oh, now hurry, Jerry. We've only got 15 minutes to get to the theater. Now we're in the Alvin Theater, 52nd Street, just off Broadway. For the last two hours, Dean and Jerry have been engrossed in the famous play, Mr. Roberts, the story of a Navy cargo ship in the South Pacific Theater of War. Look, while Mr. Roberts is packing his things, Jerry leans over to whisper to Dean. Gee, it's so wonderful, Dean. I think I'm going to bawl. Yeah. Now that the Navy's finally going to give Mr. Roberts a transfer he wanted, he doesn't want to leave the guys on his boat, huh? Shh. I wish you hadn't told me, Doc. Makes me look kind of silly after what I said just now. But I didn't mean it, Doc. I was afraid to say what I really feel. I love those jerks, Doc. I think they're the greatest guys in the world. And all of a sudden, I feel there's something wrong, something terribly wrong about leaving them. Gosh, Doc, what am I going to say to them? Gee, Henry Fonda's really terrific, huh, Dean? That's what I want to be, a great actor. Wow, Jerry, what a play, huh? What dramatic moments. Yeah, the most vibrant, spine-tingling moments I've ever spent in the American theater. Really spine-tingling, huh? Yeah, I felt just like somebody dropped a live frog down inside my shirt. <laughs> Quiet, Jerry, you'll shock these sophisticated people. Dean, it's tough trying to get through this mob of people. 
Well, we'll be out of it in a few minutes. I've never been so tightly packed in my life. I can't get my arms up from my sides. It's horrible. It's torture. It's excruciating. All right, Jerry. What can I do about it? Well, you scratch my nose. <laughs> All right, then. Now, let, let's slip into this drugstore until the crowd lets up, hmm? Hey, mister. Hey, mister. Me? What do you want, kid? Aren't you the man who was sitting in front of me in the theater? Yeah, that was me. Well, how about reaching inside of your shirt and give me back my frog? <laughs> Okay, kid, here's your frog. Jerry, everybody in the drugstore is looking. Come on, let's sit down here at the fountain. I'm thirsty. Okay, sure. All right, Jerry, now let's try it again. And remember, on the stool, not between them. <laughs> Jerry, you're a real problem. Sometimes I don't know what I'm going to do with you. What you're going to do with me? Don't do anything with me. I'll get along by myself. I don't need you or the nightclub actor or anything. I'll get a big dramatic job like Henry Fonda. Yeah. I'll open in a new play, and right here on Broadway. And the reviews will come out, and they'll say, Jerry Lewis opened on Broadway last night without Dean Martin. And he... And he... Dean? Yeah? Can I have my old job back? <laughs> I can't give you your job back. It's your act as much as mine. We're partners. We're pals. You know, we've always gone 50-50 on everything. 50-50 on everything? Sure. Then why do I always get the ugly one? <laughs> Well, I'm going to have pretty girls running after me from now on. Yes, yes, go on. When I was sitting there watching Henry Fonda tonight, I said to myself, I shouldn't be a comedian. I should be playing romantic leading man parts like Henry Fonda. Sorry I kept you guys waiting. What you want to order? In a minute. And, Dean, I could do the thing that Sailor did in the play. Remember, Dean, it went something like this. Here I am on this forgotten, forsaken supply boat doing nothing while somewhere out there men are fighting a war. Ah, the monotony of it all. The boredom. The frustration, and every day the pitiless tropical sun beating, beating, burning down on my head. But I won't give up. I won't give up. I won't. I won't. Hey, buddy. Yeah? Take it from me. Give up. <laughs> now, listen, waiter. I don't have to sit here and have you tolerate me. Quiet, Jerry. Let's order. I'm serious. I'm going over to that theater, and I'm going backstage, and talk Henry Fondon to give me a job acting in Mr. Roberts. Nothing will stop me. Okay, but uh, wouldn't you like a Sunday first? Okay, you want a Sunday. What kind? The marshmallow sundae. But it's all different kinds of things in a sundae. You take a big glass, see, and you put marshmallow in the bottom of the glass, and then two scoops of delicious but fresh vanilla ice cream. Then you put chocolate ice cream on top of that and some vanilla syrup. Then you put pineapple chunks on top of that with some strawberries, and you can get some fresh limes and lemons and put it on the top of that. And then some more, oh, put some whipped cream and some nuts, and then you can put some cherries, two dips of chocolate, and syrup on top of that. Okay, buddy. Can you come in Monday for a fitting? <laughs> I hope you weren't really serious about going to uh, the theater to ask Henry Fonda for a job in Mr. Roberts. No, I don't think I'll ask him. I'll just tell him that I'm available and here's his chance to introduce a great dramatic talent to New York. And I'll tell him that I studied on the continent. On the continent? Where, where on the continent? Pittsburgh. <laughs> now, do you want me to say that you can play a romantic, handsome, leading man? Well, why not? I've got all the qualifications. I've got what it takes. I've got a rich, thrilling, deep voice. I'm tall and muscular. I've got a beautiful profile, kissable lips. I'm strong. Women go after me. I have wavy black hair and... And look how they're staring at me. Jerry, <laughs> look who just walked in, our secretary. Hello, Mr. Martin. Hi, Mr. Lewis. Florence, what are you doing here? Oh, I just dropped into the drugstore to buy some lipstick. There's the counter right there. Boy, look at the different colors. Fatal apple, bachelor's carnation, pink lightning. Oh, I want any of those lipsticks. I always get some in a little bottle, and it really stays on good. What's it called? 
Mercurochrome. <laughs> you mean this Mercurochrome is really kiss-proof, huh? I guess so. I've been wearing it for eight years and nobody's tried to kiss me yet. <laughs> what you need, Florence, is some real good perfume. Well, that'll make me meet men. Sure, and look at these brands here. Savage, helpless, quivering, frantic. Goodness, I just want to meet a man. I don't want to drive him crazy. <laughs> Well, uh, what perfume do you like best, Florence? Well, I used to use a perfume that was double guaranteed to stop men dead in their tracks. What was it? Platine? 20 carat? Oh, no. This wasn't that subtle stuff. This had a direct approach to men. What was it called? Pucker, sucker. <laughs> you know, it's nice you two dropped into this drugstore. Now, now they've got dopes on both sides of the counter. <laughs> You'll find out how dopey I am when I'm a big hit in Mr. Roberts. I'm going over to the theater and see Henry Finder right now. Jerry, wait for me. Bye, Florence. Bye. Hey, Dean, that must be Mr. Fonda's dressing room down the hall here. It's got a star on it. Yeah. How are you going to uh, introduce yourself to Mr. Fonda? Introduce myself? Why, he'll remember me from the last time he saw me on Broadway four years ago. Maybe so, but four years is a long time to remember shoeshine. <laughs> well, besides that, Mr. Fonda was over at the Copacabana the other night when we were working. Don't you worry. Come in. Mr. Fonda? Yes? Mr. Fonda, I'm Jerry Lewis, and this is my partner, Dean Martin. You remember us. I do. <laughs> For sure. You were at the Copa the other night when we were working there. Surely at least you remember me. Oh, yes, I do remember you now. Say, you never did bring me that second cup of coffee I ordered. <laughs> Jerry's not a waiter, Mr. Fonda. He's the comedian at the Copa. You know, he's the one who got all the laughs. Laughs? It was so quiet during the floor show, I could hear a pin drop. In fact, I did hear a pin drop. That was me. I stumbled. I better explain, Mr. Fonda. We know you saw our act at the Copa, and we were wondering what you thought of Jerry's acting. How about it? Good, bad, or indifferent? Well, that just about sums it up. <laughs> what do you mean, that just about sums it up? Yes, some of it was good, some of it was bad, and I was indifferent. You can't kid me about my acting, Mr. Fonda. I came here to ask you for a job of Mr. Roberts. Yeah, but I... Jerry's a great comedian, Mr. Fonda, but I've been trying to tell him he's not qualified to play dramatic roles. Uh, how did you get started? Well, first I acted in college and in little theaters, and then I studied a year at the Champs d'Elysée Academy pour d'Artistes. Well, where's that? In Pittsburgh. I don't get it. Why would they have a school for actors in Pittsburgh? Oh, I don't know. I guess everybody likes smoked ham. <laughs> everybody likes smoked ham. <laughs> I'll do the jokes, Henry. Have you had any experience in the theater at all, Jerry? Have I had any experience in the theater? Why, once I was sitting next to a girl on the balcony of low state. Jerry! What? That isn't exactly the kind of experience I meant, but I think I'd like to hear the rest of this one anyway. Well... It was a balcony of Low State Theater, see? And this girl was a real woman of the world type. Yeah? The kind who preys on men. Yeah? And she rolled me for my bag of popcorn. <laughs> now, Jerry, that's idiotic, moronic, stupid, and impossible. Uh, pardon me, Mr. Fonda. What were you going to say? Well, only that I wonder if it could be the same girl who got me for a box of Cracker Jack last week in the Paramount balcony. <laughs> 
Well, I'd appreciate it uh, if you'd help me convince Jerry he's not ready for dramatic parts, Mr. Fonda. I don't see why he should bother. I heard you fellas did a good job in that picture, my friend Irma. Why don't you stick to comedy? Oh, I don't care much about going back to Hollywood now that Rita Hayworth has married that comic strip character. Jerry, I keep telling you, the alley she married isn't alley-oop. <laughs> You're just telling me that, and I won't go back to Hollywood. I want a job in Mr. Roberts. See, Mr. Fonda, if you could just give him any kind of a small part. The cast is filled. There isn't a thing I could say. I've got an idea. You see, the plays of... Yeah, it's about a Navy supply ship, and the fellas in the crew have a goat for a mascot, and there's only one girl in the cast. Got a part in mind that you could play, Jerry, something special. Oh, no, Jerry Lewis plays no girls. It's not the role of the girl. Oh, good, good. Which part is it? The goat. <laughs> Me play a goat? That's right. Mr. Fonda? Yes? Are you for real? <laughs> you wouldn't play the goat on stage. Our goat's supposed to bleed off stage a couple of times, and it's hard to get it to bleed at the right time. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Mr. Fonda. I wouldn't play a goat for anything in the whole world. Not anything. Oh, it's an easy part, Jerry. You ought to consider it. Absolutely not a chance. You only have to bleed in one act. Absolutely no goat part. And it pays $100 a week. Absolutely. Say, that's not bad. <laughs> well, Jerry, while you're trying to decide whether you're going to be a leading man or a goat, I'd better sing my song right now, huh? What's the name of it, Dean? Hey, you're adorable. I know. And B, I'm beautiful. And C, I'm captivating. <laughs> You're adorable, B, you're so beautiful See, you're a cutie, full of charm D, you're a darling, and E, you're exciting And F, you're a feather in my arm G, you look good to me, and H, you're so heavenly I, you're the one I idolize J, you're like Jack and Jill K, you're so kissable L, there's a love light in your eyes M, N, O, P I could go on all day Q, alphabetically speaking you're okay you made my life complete And V means you're very sweet W, X, Y, Z It's fun to wander through The alphabet with you To tell you what you mean to me M, N, O I could go on all day Q, R, S, T Alphabetically speaking You're okay Well, you made my life complete And V means you're very sweet W, X, Y, Z It's fun to wander through the alphabet with you to tell you what you mean. T. 
Gee, that was swell singing, Dean. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, and I've been, I've been thinking it over. I'm not going to play the part of a goat for you or anybody else. I want to play romantic leads like you do in pictures. Jerry, you're mistaken about that. I never get the girl in pictures. You don't? don't? No. It's been that way all my life. Why, when I was a kid, I was awful shy. The least little thing that reminded me of a girl embarrassed me. It did? I'll say. I used to blush every time I pick up a Coca-Cola bottle. <laughs> I was pretty bashful, too, Mr. Fonda. I never asked a girl for a date until I was 18 years old. How did that happen? Oh, I don't know. We were sitting on a sofa one night necking, and it just occurred to me. <laughs> Gee, Mr. Fonda, if you were bashful, you must have had trouble getting dates. I sure did, Jerry. I can remember my very first date. My rival was the freshest boy in town. Of course, I was pretty scared. The girl's name was Daisy Bell. She was the prettiest girl around. I'm afraid her mother didn't think very highly of me. Going to the barn dance, Daisy Bell. So, my ma, this should be the best barn dance of the season. Yes, I hear they've hired Zeke Martin and his fiddling five. Daisy May, who's taking you to the dance? Well, I can't decide between Hank Fond and Jerry Lewis. Hank is sweet and he's so reliable. The kind of man a girl can lean on. Well, what about Jerry Lewis? He keeps leaning back. <laughs> well, that Hank's a nice boy, but he's so bashful. Oh, someone's at the door. I'll go see who it is. Oh, gee, it's you, Hank. How'd you ever get up nerve enough to knock on the door? I didn't. I hid out in the bushes and poked it with a long pole. <laughs> well, come on in. Oh, Daisy Bell, I'm so awkward and clumsy. I better not. I better wait outside. Oh, nonsense. Come on into the parlor. All right. Shucks, I was hoping you wouldn't notice. <laughs> I'm surprised you came at all, Hank. You were supposed to take me to the barn dance last year, and you didn't show up. Well, last year, the dance was on a Monday. What's Monday got to do with your not showing up? Well, I don't think it's decent for a fellow to call on a girl when her washing's hanging on the line. <laughs> Gee, Hank, you mustn't be so bashful and shy around me. Pretend I'm an old friend. Forget I'm a girl and just pretend I'm a fellow. Okay. Care for a chew of tobacco? <laughs> Hank, did you come over to ask me to go to the dance? Well, I was... It's me, Daisy Bell. Dynamite Lewis. Let me in. Okay, Jerry. Hiya, Daisy Bell. Say, you're looking more gorgeous than ever. You're the queen of my coffee and I'm ready to start stirring. Oh, Daisy Bell, open the icebox door. Of course, you'll have to cool me off tonight. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> oh, Jerry, you're so witty. Hank, why don't you say things like that? I'd rather die. <laughs> Gee, Jerry, what's that you got your hair slicked down with? Mobile oil? No, nah, this is something new. Moose grease. <laughs> Moose grease? Yep. Guaranteed to grow antlers in 30 days. What do you want antlers for? Oh, I don't know. Someplace to hang my hat. 
let's go to the dance. Hey, that's Zeke Morton. I asked him to come by and take us to the dance in his car. Oh, wonderful. Hank, you come along, too. Okay, there's just one thing first. What? Can I take my foot out of the window now? Ah, <laughs> uh, come on, Hank. Zeke's got to get there and start the music. Come on in, pile in the car. Goodness, Zeke Martin in person. Well. Hello, baby. <laughs> well, we're all in, Zeke. Let's get going. Looks like we got Zeke here just in time. Oh, come on, Hank, let's dance. Put your arm around me. There. Isn't dancing fun? Yeah. Dancing's kind of like hopscotch, ain't it? <laughs> Gee, seems like it's mighty crowded on this dance floor. Oh, there's one dancer that's causing the trouble, and Zeke Martin's talking to him right now. Now, look, I told you before, you're taking up the whole dance floor, and you're always bumping into everybody. I didn't mind you coming to the dance, but there are other people trying to dance, too. Now, I'm sorry, but I got to ask you to go. Oh, well, I was tired of dancing with that elephant anyway. <laughs> This is a real barn dance, all right? Look, up above is the hayloft. Maybe you'd take me up to see that hayloft after a while, huh, Hank? Not me. Last time I took a girl up there, I lost a box of Cracker Jack. <laughs> Say, they've got the barn fixed up real fancy. It was a good idea decorating the walls with those hollowed-out pumpkin heads. Yeah. Just look at this funny-looking one here. Please, you got your finger in my eye. <laughs> you quit being so smart, Alecky Jerry Lewis. I don't get mad at me, Daisy Bell, because I think you're peachy. Please, Jerry, you're interrupting. Uh, Hank, would you like to take me out more often? Uh, yep. I'd like it to be my steady sugar cake, Daisy Bell. Would you like to take me out tomorrow, Hank? Uh, yep. It's no use. I can't compete with that smooth line he's got. I wish I had a glass of punch from that big punch bowl there. I'll get it for you, honey. No, I'll get it for Daisy. No, I'll get it. No, I will. No, you look out there. I got there now. Oh, Hank. Hank, do something. Jerry's going down for the third time. Well, never mind the punch, Daisy Bell. I, uh, I got a little something on my hip here. Care for a nip? See? Oh, gee, Hank. Real sarsaparilla. Yeah, and I spiked it up with a little something potent. You mean... Yeah, I mixed a slug of peanut butter in it. <laughs> oh, there ain't going to be any more dancing right now. It's time for the entertainment. And now, ladies and gents, we have that popular vocal trio, the Swamp Water Three, consisting of Zeke Martin... Thank you, one and all, and all I can say is... Uh-huh. And Fancy Pants Jerry Lewis... Uh-huh. And finally, the hillbilly Vic Damone, Hot Lips Fonda. Uh-huh. <laughs> and now we hear a little ditty. <laughs> and now we hear a little ditty rendered by the Swamp Water Boys called Dop Dead Little Aha, Dop Dead. Hit it, fellas. Drop dead, little darling, drop dead. 
sketch we just did should sure convince you that I've never been the romantic type. Yeah. Were you really that bashful, Mr. Fonda? Sure. If I were Artie Shaw, I'd still be going steady with my clarinet. <laughs> now, how about changing your mind again, taking the goat part in Mr. Roberts? No, I guess not. I take the part too seriously. I'd even try to grow whiskers. Well, couldn't, couldn't you do that? No, Jerry couldn't grow whiskers. He's too young. Why, it takes him until 10 o'clock to get a 5 o'clock shadow. <laughs> Thanks for trying to help us anyway, Henry. Always glad to help a couple of fellow thespians. Good night, boys. Good night, Hank. Good night, folks. See you next week. Bye. The Martin and Lewis Show, transcribed in New York, is produced and directed by Robert L. Redd and written by Ray Allen and Dick McKnight. Next week, Dean and Jerry's guest will be Miss Marilyn Maxwell. This is Wayne Howell suggesting you tune in to your NBC station each Sunday evening at this same hour for The Martin and Lewis Show. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Well, that is today's episode. Thank you for calling in. If you are listening uh, on your phone, uh, please stay tuned. We have... Uh, another surprise for you after the show ends. Uh, if you're listening on the internet, well, that's all for today. Thanks and have a great day.